It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is, is the Go Birds Podcast. Go Birds! Go Birds! Hey, hello. It is the Go Birds podcast presented by Parks Sportsbook and Casino. And that sucked, man. <laughs> that sucked, Elliot. I mean, man, what a way to start the season. We are all so concerned about the Eagles starting out hot, you know, coming out slow in all these games, and that's the thing. And then, and then they come out and they crush it for almost two full quarters. And then at the end of the, the second quarter, they fall apart and it just carries throughout the rest of the game. And they lose the game, man. They lose to Washington. Like, oh, man, we'll get to what it was like in the stadium. Elliot was down there. We'll get to the nitty gritty of everything. But, man, just on a, a general sense, you walk out of that stadium feeling what? Well, so it's funny. when uh, When we first got the new theme song, I remember thinking like, wow, it's super upbeat and awesome. Like, this will be great. Then I think like, hmm, you know, after losses, hearing that very upbeat start to the uh, pod might not rub people some of the right, <laughs> the right way. And I honestly can't think of a worse game to start the season with. I mean, it was like. Oh, man. Especially with uh, considering the opponent, too. Well, and I think, well, I look, I've said all week that I thought Washington was better than other people. So. I can't really kill them too hard for losing to Washington. I mean, Washington's not a great team. But, again, I think Washington has some real, like, talent on that roster. I think they're going to end up winning more games than we think. But when they were up 17 nothing, I was thinking, like, all right, they're rolling. I mean, we talked on GoBirds Radio about how they need to come out and make a statement, how they need to not fall behind like they so often have. And they were clicking on all cylinders. Like, I mean, I know the defense isn't going to be the story of the week, but the defense was awesome, I thought, all day. I mean, they – Really, yeah, particularly t- early, they had some lapses, especially at the end of the second, uh, you know, second quarter, and a couple spots. But this, obviously, this loss was not on the defense. I mean, we yeah, well, I that. mean, the offense put them. I mean, every single uh, Washington scoring drive yes. was less than fifty yards. Yes. So, yes. um, and I think you know, very, very, it feels like very rarely in sports do we say for a week like this is going to be the issue. And then it ends up being the issue. And like, that's exactly what happened. I mean, the offensive line, it was terrible. The offensive line was absolutely abysmal. Um, after the first drive, I remember thinking like, oh, maybe this will work. And then Wentz gets sacked nine times. And look, he certainly holds some of the blame for those sacks. He does not look improved in the pocket. He does not. And we'll get into Carson in a little bit. But starting with the offensive line, I think that, you know, after the game, Jason Kelsey was talking about, 
what went wrong? And he said something, I'm going to paraphrase slightly, but something like, it wasn't just one player. I know that'll disappoint you guys talking to the media. But I think the fact that it wasn't one player is actually should be terrifying to this team. Like it wasn't like four players had a good game and just say Amalu couldn't block anybody or four players had a good game and Driscoll just wasn't ready for the spotlight. Like it came from all over. Peters had some bad snaps. Driscoll had some bad snaps. I thought the interior of the pocket collapsed pretty quickly. It's harder to tell with the inside guys whose fault it is immediately, but it was all over. And I got to say this, like, I've heard a lot of reactions so far, and that's one of the benefits I get of waiting a little bit to record the postgame pod. Blaming injuries is not the correct take here, in my opinion, when it comes to the offensive line. They were missing one starter. I know that Dillard is technical, and like Brooks, I get that, but like from what the roster was basically the last two or three weeks, they were missing one starter. So this is not like Lane, Brooks, and Dillard are coming back in two weeks and things will turn around. I mean, Lane maybe plays next week. I don't think that's a short thing. Brooks is not playing this year, let's be real. Dillard's out. Like, this is what their line is. They gave up eight sacks, I think, is what it ended up being. Lane isn't fixing all of that in one in like one player is not changing all that. So this idea that injuries is the problem, it's not. Like well, I have more to I say. I gotta right push now. back. Yeah, but I gotta push back. I mean, injuries are the problem in the sense that first of all, missing lane is big. Like I agree with you getting lane back doesn't solve the problems, but going from lane to a kid who's never played an NFL game before is a massive, it is massive drop off. I mean, we have to be fair about that. And also injuries in the sense that it caused them to have a lack of reps throughout all of preseason with any sort of group that was going to play together does play a role as well. So I agree to the, the basic premise that Lane coming back isn't going to change everything. I do think it will help, but um, I, I disagree with the fact that injuries aren't the root of, of the, the major issues. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, but the thing, too, with Lane is, like, is Lane going to be 100% when he comes back? Uh, who I knows? Mean, who knows? He missed all of camp, basically. Like, I'm just... You know, coming into the to the game, we thought the offensive line was going to be a major issue. That was basically when we did the pre the preview pod. That was our main concern, and it's proven to be completely correct. You know, I tried to kind of talk myself into it with an article this week on WIP saying, "Well, if all five guys are out there, like Jeff Stoutland, you can scheme around things." Like, no. And I think that one of the things we didn't take into account was like Carson was part of the problem too today. Like, yeah. Well, those- well, hold on. We'll get to Carson. Let me let me respond to some of the stuff you mentioned because I I do think there's some important stuff in there. Like first and foremost, to your point about the offensive line. Look, I was wrong. I said we're focusing too much on yeah. Washington's defensive line versus the O line. That's not going to cost them the game. Well, guess what? It cost them the game. And yes, Carson play role. We'll get to that, but. I think ultimately, if you're going to pick the number one issue the Eagles had today, it was the offensive line, the inability to protect Carson. And yes, he had a role in some sacks, but I mean, eight sacks, insane. And also there were a lot of plays where he could have gotten sacked and didn't. And also they were unable to get anything going on the ground the entire game. Like they were absolutely dominated by that defensive front for Washington. And, And that was the number one reason the Eagles lost the game. It was. But having said that, I agree there are other issues. Um, Look, to lose to Washington and to lose to Washington in that way in the opener is, it's it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough, especially when you look at what their schedule is and and what they have left. Um, It's tough. Let's talk Wentz and then we'll get into something. Oh, and in general, like I agree with you. Blaming injuries on the whole is is not a fair thing to do. The Eagles need to win that game, but it is unbelievable how many injuries this team is suffering. Like, and, so I have a, and I have how many in game? Please, please, okay. because and then we'll get to Wentz. But because the Elliot, like, this is crazy. It is. It is too much. This is not like uh, we're just paying attention to the Eagles and everyone has these type of injuries. Like, this is. An obscene amount of injuries. So I was driving back from the game and I'm thinking about the injuries and like, what is it, right? Like, why does it always feel like the Eagles are dealing with injuries more so than other teams? And, you know, I I meant to try to look up and see how many games they've lost compared to their teams. I'm not exactly sure where they're at. Uh, I'm looking at actually football outsiders right now. It looks like they're like right around the middle of the pack, which is what is not what you would expect, right? But here's why I think the injuries 
like why they seem such a big deal to the, to the Eagles. It's because they're not a deep team. So when they suffer yep. an injury, when they suffer an injury, it feels like a way bigger deal than the teams that are deep because once one person goes down, everything collapses. So are the Eagles suffering more injuries than other teams? I don't know if that's true. But what is true is the Eagles are not as deep as other teams. So when Lane goes down, you have to go to a fourth round pick that's never played a snap. When, you know, JP might not, Jason Peters might not play, you're talking about moving Matt Pryor over there, who has never played the position. So I think the injuries just feel more than other rosters because the Eagles don't have anybody to go to. And I think that makes way more sense than like the medical staff or all that. Cause like it's been three years of it. So it's not anybody's one problem. Like they're, they're not cursed in, in reality. So why do the injuries seem like such a big deal? It's cause they're not deep. And you saw that out there today. I think that's part of it for sure. I think it's a great point. I think it's why the injuries are magnified. I will say it does seem there are a lot of injuries to important players to keep players. Um, but I still think there's an inordinate amount of these comparatively over the last few years. And look, they, I look, they've changed medical staffs. Like they've done, like right. I saw, I saw Les Bowen, uh, tweet that maybe it's the practice fields. Like who the hell knows? But like, there is something going on where it's, it's a little, maybe it's the way they practice. Maybe it's the way they train. Maybe it's the way they hydrate like who the hell knows but it does seem like it's See, i just an inordinate amount regardless i do think your point about depth is is absolutely true and look we saw it today that's why the i mean the fact that they had driscoll jordan my had to come into the game like i mean that's a disaster nate herbig i mean well let's let me since you just brought up my lotta let's talk about matt Pryor real quick like clearly why, why isn't he in i yeah. mean that's crazy to me like what was that i mean well, no so, sense Doug said after the game, in more or less like way a way Doug is gonna say it without throwing prior into the bus, like clearly he just wasn't very good. He said Herbig. Oh, he, he said he said based off practice this week, they just felt more comfortable with Herbig. So there you go, right there. Like that's that's saying it yeah, all. And is... you know, coming into the season, Matt Pryor was sold as the sixth offensive lineman. I think they even said they considered him a starter. Well, they've had two opportunities at left and right tackle to put him in there. They had a chance at right guard. They had another chance today at left tackle. To, I'm sorry, right tackle when Driscoll went down. And they haven't put him in. So these comparisons to Big V are just insane. Like Big V would have started the game today. Big V, Big oh, yeah, V, for sure. Not yeah, starting. Would have been Big the first, V was a starting left tackle in the Super Bowl. Like yes. who's That's crazy. All right, let's get to Wentz because. We're we're already uh, ten minutes over ten minutes into this podcast and we haven't talked about it. Like, so I want obvious, your take first before I okay. Get on. Good, good. Look, uh, obviously, I thought he looked brilliant for the first, you know, quarter and a half, quarter and three quarters. I mean, he was yeah. just awesome. And um, one thing that I, I didn't understand, like, it seemed like every time they used tempo, it worked. And yeah. it kind of masked the offensive line issues. And then they just kept going away from it. It made no sense. I really like, liked when they went to it to start yes, the game. It made yeah. no sense. And then they used it again later in the, the second quarter. And that worked. And it was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you going away from this? Uh, I, that made no sense to me. And, and we didn't see it a lot throughout the game. And it seemed to work I, I when they used it. You. Yeah, I agree with you really quick that I do think it helped mask the offensive line problems. Yes. And I don't know why. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't see why well, that would quicker, be quicker, short, but... quicker passes potentially. Yeah. Like quicker, keeping the defense a little more tired potentially could make them a little more ineffective against those guys, all that type of stuff. But I, it just didn't make a lot of sense to me. But regardless, uh, I, so point being, I don't think that he had a lot of help. But look, there's no denying that Carson Wentz fell apart in that game. I mean, I mean that the, the first interception wasn't great. The second interception was horrific. And mm -hmm. they, the, the big issue is that they were in a situation in a game where um, he, both of them, where he has to know that literally the last thing he can do in that spot is turn the ball over on that side of the field in that situation, like with a lead, like, what are you doing, man? Like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. it, it, you can't. And and granted, it seemed like um, the the Washington had a, you know great reads on the plays and was able to jump the routes and all that. But um, ultimately, that that's still on Carson. And um, I didn't think you know total 
of the game, I, I don't think he was horrendous. Again, he had, he flashed brilliance, but look, on the whole, he kind of fell apart when they needed him most in the offense. Granted, the offensive line, again, I it is part of it. You can't take away the fact that he felt like every time he went back, he was going to be attacked, and he was attacked and all that, and that does play into it, but... I mean, you can't defend the the you know second half. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. you know he he struggled. So Carson Wentz was both the reason they got the seventeen nothing lead, and in my opinion, the reason they blew it. Like that's just how important the quarterback position is. I mean, he was to start that game. That throw to Jalen Rager, you could not have thrown that ball better. The fifty-five yard completion to Rager he was put awesome. it that put first it right drive, over like his just shoulder, mowing yep. it down the field. Yep, the first completion to Goddard, the first completion to Deshaun. Like and he they, even had a few drops early on, like the high tower drop, mm-hmm. which ended up getting erased because of the penalty. But the, um, I mean, obviously the Ertz drop late was brutal. Um, yes. But like you know, he didn't get help in some spots where he could have been even better early on, especially. So after that, so I guess like from that first interception on, like the second, you yeah, know, after like, that, first it was like right after the two minute warning in the the second quarter, more or less, he was, somewhere in there. He was 10 for 24 for 88 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and a 14.4 passer rating. Like, that's not all the offensive line. That falls on Carson. Like, Carson Carson and Doug in their last 28 games together are 14 and 14. And to me, that is just such a telling stat. Like, Carson today is what I think he's always kind of been, or at least since he tore his ACL in L.A., like— He's extremely inconsistent, and it's hard to win consistently when your quarterback is not consistent. Like, and I get why the debate of Carson is so good and so heated on both sides because when he makes throws like that to start the game, you're like, wow, like this guy's got it. Like, I'm thinking in my head, man, he had that great training camp. He's healthy. Like, James pointed that out. He's hitting the deep ball. Wow, maybe he can throw the deep ball now that he has, you know, speed on the field. Like, all those things went through your head. And then you look. And they only scored 17 points. I thought he missed Deshaun. Well, all right. So part of his falling yeah, apart. Yeah, the Deshaun was, miss was bad late. Granted, or that urge drop was bad, and that that's one end of the coin. But missing Deshaun there was big. Well, and the other. And missing Rager on the Rager. other one, too. Yes. Yeah, that was huge, too. Yeah, no, I, I'm Rager with you. after that interception. Yeah, I wrote that down, was big. That was big. He had, he had an interception. Then. Don't forget, his next pass was nearly picked off as well. Went through the hands of a linebacker and almost intercepted by a cornerback on its way down. And then they go deep twice, and he just flat out misses Rager. Like, Rager had a step on his guy. That has got to be a touchdown. Like, if people want to talk about Carson as a top-five quarterback, well, Patrick Mahomes makes that touchdown. Lamar Jackson makes that throw. Russell Wilson makes that throw. Aaron Rodgers. Like, the top quarterbacks make that throw. The pocket is clean. Rager is open. You get paid the money you do to make that throw. Right. And I get you're not going to make every single one, but that's a throw you have to make. And I thought he fell apart after that. I thought his accuracy became a problem. He said after the game that he didn't, he was not, you know, kind of hesitant because of uh, the pressure. And I don't know if he was, honestly, because I think he has these problems all the time anyway. But I do believe eventually the pressure, you know, started to get to him. And maybe you can't blame him. Maybe you can. I don't know because it's, I've never, you know, had been had a defensive line bearing down on me. Right. But, the fumbles were once again an issue. He he fumbled it twice, recovered once, and he just didn't play well. And I get that the offensive line's a problem, but this is why you pay Carson all that money for when things aren't going well for him to find a way to win the game. And he he was not good today. And I think the 14 and 14 over the last 28 starts is it's the story of Carson post ACL. It is. Just yeah, is. Look, I, I think it's unfair to say the pressure got to him. We saw him at the end of last year show that he can come through when the pressure is on in, in those type of situations. I, don't think well, I mean, the, the pressure, like, I meant more like the defensive line bearing yes, down. Yes, that's where I'm from. going. Look, I okay. think that, look, I agree with, with a lot of the things you're saying that, look, Carson has to be better. He has to lift his guys up. I do think there were spots where, where again, teammates could help him out more, but... I do think that you're you're slightly underplaying how horrendous the offensive line was and how big a deal that was. Like again, that was something that is something that can crater an offense's opportunity. And yes, there were a couple spots where Wentz held onto the ball too long, but the only it was like, oh, he should have thrown it away. It wasn't like he could have made a play happen that was there. I mean, there were spots where 
like there was just no opportunity to make things happen. So I, I think that Wentz definitely needs to be better, but I definitely think you're underplaying how important the offensive line's role was in that. I mean, again, like he looked awesome in the first half for the majority of it. And again, I know that doesn't erase what happened in the second half and, and the issues, but I do think that an offensive line or, or again, I, I think you have to put some on Doug and, and the offensive staff too, that they were not scheming around the fact that their offensive line was getting murdered, like roll Carson out more, like do things where they're getting Carson in space and allowing him to have some sort of fighting chance. So so what do you think of how how Doug was? Because I'll be honest, sometimes from the press box, it's just it's just I find it hard to really kind of track, you know, like the run pass ratio and that type of stuff. Like, so how did you think Doug did? Because I didn't walk out of that game thinking Doug was a problem, but I'm open to saying I, I'm just I, again. I don't think he was a big problem, but I don't think he was great. You know, I don't think he shined. Um, I think he was fine. You know, I think it was, you know, it wasn't anything super original, creative, right? I would have liked to see Wentz moving around more. I would like to see that, mm -hmm. but um, I, I thought it was fine. I, again, I don't think he was the, the, the singular reason they lost or anything like that, but um, I do I, think I just, that, I, I just think that you're underrating how important and, and how bad that offensive line was oh. and its impact and its impact, the impact of how bad that line. For sure, I agree, but I think that also, it, you know, it absolves Doug of some blame too. Like, you know, I was sure. asked, I was on the, sure. I was on the post game show with uh, Rob Ellis and um, and Dan Klecko, and they were saying like, do you think Doug should have ran the ball more? And I don't feel that. Oh, way. I, I dude, in the moment, I was like, and I'm usually like definitely a run the ball type of guy when you can. I didn't want them to ever run it. It just wasn't working. It was like, yeah, they, they didn't have the person. You got no shot. It. You got no shot to run the ball here. Yeah, well, and again, so Miles isn't there, which proved to be a very big loss. Yeah. Uh, Boston Scott was out for a little bit. Corey Clement's a nice player, but Corey Clement's not carrying your run game. Huntley barely touched the ball. He's pretty new to the team. Like, again, this is why you pay Carson $130 million, because that's the guy who, that's why you put the ball in his hand. Like, to say that with the offense struggling, and I know they weren't going to turn into a complete run-first offense, but to say that, like, a heavy dose of Corey Clement is going to save the offense just isn't true. Like, this, the game was going to turn around. They got the 17-0 lead because of Carson Wentz in the passing game. And I think overall, when you look at the offense's performance, I agree that for the first quarter and a half, they were good, like maybe quarter, you know, and three quarters or whatever. Uh, but I do think overall, when I think back to it, they really just struck on like three or four big plays. Like they really didn't have consistent drives when you look at it. Well, and the, in, in the, the, the opening drive was for sure. Yeah, but that was only, it was only four plays though. Like was it I, really only four plays? It felt like more. It, so their so their first sorry so their first drive was six plays it was six okay. plays then they had an eleven play drive which was good but then after that it was like six six three one three three one like they weren't really getting things going outside of that you know initial start to the game so I think that this idea that they collapse collapse in the second half is true but the collapse started earlier and overall they didn't look like an offense today that's gonna be able to put up consistent points yeah look it was uh it wasn't good man. And I agree with your general – I do think Washington's defense is going to be good this year, like certainly better than, than a lot of people think, and a defense that, you know, especially under Rivera has a chance to surprise some people. Um, but, yeah, I, there's no excuse for, for putting up 17 in the first two and a half quarters and then just shutting down and, and, and not just that, like actively hurting your team by giving up short fields. And, again, that's on Wentz for sure – but I think it. I think you have to say it was a combination of the offensive line being unable to do anything, unable to give you a running game. The defense is expecting passes because they know you yeah. can't run the ball. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there where it hinders Doug, it hinders Carson. You know, so I, I agree with you that Carson needed to be better. I think you're being slightly harsh. Um, is my I'm point? I'm sure people agree with you on that. Well, but let I, me. You know, but I'm, just, I'm just trying to be fair. Again, no, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm acknowledging. I mean, what would you I'm grade definitely him acknowledging that Carson Carson needed to be better. Uh, I don't know, like a C plus. Okay, I was gonna say C C minus. So I guess okay, I'm a so, little a little I'm not a little sure worse. I, than... Siri, I don't think said, I don't think they understood the grade. Yeah, Siri, she, she doesn't Siri get said, how I got to a C minus. Um, like, no way. I said B minus. Seriously, B minus. <laughs> let me let me ask you what yes. what's your level of concern with the fumbles 
because he now has 50 and 57 games, according to Pro Football Reference. I know all those aren't on him. Sometimes, like, bad snaps get labeled to him. But yeah, overall, um, it's not been good. So it what's your okay. it's, I don't know. It's not great. The one tonight looked like he was trying to gonna throw and then pull it back in. And, you know, um, I mean, I think you definitely have to be somewhat concerned about it. It's not something that I'm, I'm going that's going to keep me up at night or is going to keep me from thinking he could be a great quarterback. But it's certainly something I'm – I want to monitor and certainly something I'm, I'm concerned about. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't think you could not be concerned about it. You know, I think the the thing though with this one, that's so shocking is, you know, one of the things that really the, you know, one of the main things that Carson Wentz has done so well in the NFL is not throw interceptions. The fumbles continue to be an issue, but, but those two, two interceptions. Yeah, two were just, yeah. And two big ones, two ones in mm-hmm. crucial moments that turn the field. So that yeah. that was disappointing. So I got a few notes that I that I took that I wanted to talk about. Do you have any other big big picture things you want to get into before we go I, to that? No, or? after after that I have um, mostly just specific a couple specific player things. So go for it. Okay, cool. So I thought to me another big theme for the game today. I think we witnessed the passing of the torch from Ertz to Goddard. Like I, I thought oh, it was buddy. And you know that I'm like team payer, it's all that, but I thought they made it like a effort to get Goddard the ball today. And I did not get that sense with Hertz. I thought they were, you know, running plays for him. And he played really well, obviously. Like, yeah, yeah Goddard was great. Yards and a touchdown. Goddard was great. And but, then a couple like wow moments, like a couple like, you know, catch and run type things really where good. you're like, whoa, yep. that, that was, yep. that was good. And like, I think this matters. Like, all right, so the, whether or not they're going to pay Ertz at this point is is doesn't that debate doesn't matter anymore. They're not going to pay him during the regular season, and so debating whether they should pay him, you will decide that after year. What what you have to think though is, at least in person, I don't know if you got this vibe on TV. To me, it seemed like Ertz was distracted by what's going on. Like I thought, like there were well again, like, like just body that, language issues. Well, to that, and you would see that uh, that's interesting because we don't get to see it on the sideline as much, or even in the after the play. So that's interesting. But certainly, look, just on a basic level, Ertz with that drop at the end, like that was a shocking drop from Ertz. Like Zach Ertz never drops that pass, like that game on the line type pass. Yeah. He never drops that, right? I mean, that was that was a surprise to me. So it, it, I, his head not being in it makes sense to me. And I think that, like, it's human nature as you're watching Goddard get the ball again and again and again. He got more targets. Goddard got more targets than Ertz said. I'll have to look and see what the snap count ended up being, but it wouldn't surprise me if Goddard played just as many snaps, if not more snaps than Ertz. Um, there was one moment where... Uh, Ertz, it was after a play, he got rattled a little, and the whole team's huddling, and Ertz is like two yards off, just sitting there on one knee, and like nobody's tending to him. And every, people in the press box are like, Ertz is hurt, like what's going on? And then he ended up getting up and coming back in, but like, I don't know. I don't know if it came it's across weird. on TV like it did in person, but... No, it sounds like it didn't. It sounds like it okay. didn't. Like, in the person, fact I thought that was Goddard cool, so. was way more involved certainly did, like that was clear. But um, not the idea of, of what you're saying. And that's interesting, and that's and that's kind of the value of you actually being part of the value yes. of you being down there is you can see those things that we don't get to on TV. And obviously, a little bit later, you know, after we kind of finish our post mortem of this gut punch loss to start the season, I want to get your take on what it was um, like just to be down there in that stadium with no fans, but. Um, Last thing on Earth, really quickly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you think of the report that him and Howie got into a heated exchange? Ah, man, it, it, it's just great. It, yeah. it's, you sent that to me right before like the game started, more or less, you know, an hour before, hour and a half, or whatever. And it's like, man, like how many more reports can we squeeze in before the season starts? I mean, <laughs> how much more turmoil and dysfunction can we squeeze in before the season starts? It's just, yeah. You know, look, I think it, it it only underscores what I already thought that that Zach and the Eagles are not on the same page and they're heading for a divorce. Yeah, yeah, that it, that's where we're heading. And and look, again, Dallas Goddard continues to it seems evolve as a player and get better. I mean, he looked he looked awesome. I mean, you're talking you're looking yeah. for bright spots in this game. Dallas Goddard was a beast. And he again he, did. he had, he had a couple of those catch and like run and, and make an 
super athletic move for uh, that a guy his size should not be able to make type of stuff. Um, so, you know, he's definitely I agree. Not, he's definitely making it uh, easier for the Eagles to say goodbye if they want to. And you know? I and I think Ertz sees that. And I don't want to you know talk about it too much longer because it's not the biggest story today. But I, I like this is going to be a thing. It is like all season if they continue to lose and. Maybe at the end of the pod, we'll decide how big picture worried we should be. But if they continue to lose, this is going to be continue a thing. And if Goddard keeps getting more targets, can you imagine a world where at like eight games, Goddard has more targets than Ertz and you're Ertz and you know you're not getting paid by this team? Like that matters. It matters. Ertz is one of the more he's a, one of the poster childs of the, the team. He's a vocal leader like that. I thought that came across today. The, the other thing I had for you was what would you think of the Deshaun stuff? Yeah, that's that was haha on my list to talk to you about Boom. as well, obviously. Senator J. Um, so it was super weird. And I'll take you, uh, the listener, uh, behind the scenes of me and Elliot during the game because um, we're watching. So for those, you know, it was a little different for Elliot again, who's there and seeing Deshaun on the sidelines zomping. And it took us, you know, a few plays or whatever to realize, like, huh, feels like Deshaun hasn't been out there for a while. And then they showed him on the sideline, but he didn't look hurt or anything. He, like, had his helmet. And he was just kind of staying there. It's like, oh, okay, maybe – it's a package thing or whatever. And then I get a text from you and you're like, I think Deshaun is hurt. And I'm like, Oh great. Like, of course that would make sense. I think that would explain why he hasn't been in the game. What's going on here. And, and you're like, he's been off by himself. He didn't have his helmet with him at a certain point, you know, but he, no one's checking on him. It's really weird. Like I don't really know what's happening. And what you would know is watching the, the game broadcast, Pam Oliver comes on to give us an update on Deshaun. And that was the play Deshaun game back in. She's coming on to be like, and well, I was going to tell you that Deshaun, <laughs> it was like really one of those weird things. It was a really weird thing. Like what, is, what was your observation of it from inside the stadium? So he looked like checked out to me. Like, so when he was on the sideline, it it reminded me a lot of when he came back versus the bears last year. And then he came out and was just kind of like walking around and people were like, why is he not going in? And then he was eventually ruled out. Obviously I was positive. He wasn't coming back in. That was the feeling in the press box. Well, that's what you said to me. And then it like a minute later, you texted me like, whoops, I guess I was wrong. And not only that, he comes back in and plays a, a fair amount from there on out. I mean, he was pretty yeah. consistently on the field after that. Um, well, especially I, after that interception where it looked like he hurt himself again. You're like, oh, now he's definitely going to be out. And, and he wasn't. Yeah. Well, to, the Deshaun thing as a larger scale thing, the the skill position players, the receivers did not look good today. Like that, that no, Rager, especially yeah, after the camp that we, yeah, Rager, look, Rager had Rager that. looked good. Yeah, yes. I mean, just that one catch alone is good, but he also should have had another just like that. Like, Rager's day could have conceivably been, like, two for 110 and a touchdown, you know? But yeah. um, but Rager showed some bursts, especially considering he's got the shoulder injury and getting off the line and getting banged and all that. Like, really nice to see from Rager, and you could see that he has that speed, that explosiveness, all that. Um, once he's more involved, that's exciting. But, yeah, I'm with you. Look, Hightower had that big drop. That was a big drop, and they got bailed out by the penalty, but that was a big drop. Look, uh, uh, can I ask a quick question? Because I want to make sure you were in the stadium and we weren't. Is J.J. Ortega-Whiteside still on the team? Or did, <laughs> so he, not I, make yeah. the, did he not make the trip to Washington? Um, I had like, yeah, it, 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 it was not ideal, man. Not I, for a group that, uh, you know, Didn't everyone get a target, got a little right? excited about. No, I did not get a target. Zero targets. Zero. Yeah. I mean... You know, it was a bad day on the offense all around, so maybe you excuse it away that a little. But I mean, no, high high tower four targets, Greg Ward seven, uh, Deshaun Jackson seven, Goddard nine. Like they were, I mean, once attempted 42 passes, like there was enough time space out there for JJ to get something. And yeah, I mean, he just doesn't look, he's obviously not very good. I, you know, yeah, that's Wentz clear doesn't trust him. Like he might not be getting open at all. Like it's just, it's really bad. It's, it's right. bad. I remember when I was on with uh, DeCamera, you and Richie and you know, they're asking about all the receivers. And I said, yeah, I would be excited about Hightower. Got that one wrong, at least for one week. But I always thought that the JJ hype in the training camp was a little overblown just because he had played a full season and he had a good camp last year. So I was a little hesitant to get involved in that, but clearly very disappointing um, from that perspective. And I'm look, Deshaun, Deshaun didn't look, like, even though he played more and stuff, like taking the injury and like missing snaps and stuff, 
And then what he did, like he didn't do much. Like I know he could should have. I didn't think he went should have. No, I agree. He didn't look at, uh, like he certainly didn't get by in the defense in the way we expected him to uh, uh, consistently and whatnot. Like, um, yeah, uh, um, especially especially when you need Deshaun. Like he's like I'm perfectly healthy, ready for the season. Let's go. And you're like the number one receiver, like the guy. Be the guy, man. Like any, and, and he certainly wasn't. So, just really quick, let's let's look at this uh, recent draft history. So, tw- twenty sixteen, or no, I'm sorry, twenty seventeen. Barnett is this, gonna, is this gonna is this gonna put me in a worse mood, Elliot? Are you? Well, is that what we're doing here? To the de- it speaks to the depth issues. So, yes. from the twenty seventeen draft class, they got zero contribution from anybody today. Well, Nate Gary. Nate Gary was good. Oh, sorry, you're right. You're right, Nate Gary. My he led them in tackles. If I'm not well, mistaken, well, I'm pro Nate Gary too, yeah. as we as Twitter well knows. He was okay. I thought Nate Gary was okay today. 2018 draft for sure. Goddard, Maddox, Sweat. I mean, yeah, Maddox prior. I thought was good today too. I thought Maddox had a good game. But when you look at the rest, like 2019, Dillard didn't play. Sanders didn't play. JJ Myers will have not have played. Sharif Miller's not on the roster. Clayton's oh, not on the disaster. roster. It's a disaster. And look, getting into the Jalen Hurts thing, we could do an entire four hour pod about he that. He was inactive, right? He was inactive. Like, no matter how you slice it, your second round pick was inactive today. Uh, and, 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 and again, in a situation where you have a fourth rounder starting at right tackle for you, and what was her big uh, undrafted guy, like uh, yeah. from two years ago or whatever, like we're like, oh, I don't know, maybe you could have drafted a lineman there, you know, maybe yeah. someone who's talented in the second round there, that's who you could have drafted instead of taking Jalen Hurts. Again, among many other positions we've seen, they could have used it on that they needed. Uh, it's just. A, look, a second-round wide receiver with real talent there, like we talked about, like a lot of people want them to do, wide receiver back-to-back, that would have been viable. Like, it's just, uh, it's a bummer, man. It's a well, bummer. So with Rager. I'm bummed, Elliot. I'm bummed. Yeah, I know. It I can ruins tell. my week, Elliot. It ruins my whole <laughs> week. I have to go in tomorrow. I have to talk to all these people who are so angry and upset, and it it brings you down, brother. Let me tell you that. Poor Justin from Tennessee. Ah, I love Justin. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> so uh, uh, I thought Rager, though, I know you touched on it, but I wanted to get my my take out there. You said it on Gobra's radio this past week. Like, you could tell right away when Deshaun was a rookie, like, that dude's legit. And you can tell right away when guys are good. Like, when Rager made that catch and then got a step on the next on the next one that Wentz missed, like, I think Rager's legit. And I know it's early and it's only one game, but he looks like he's a player. And I think that's definitely one positive takeaway from today. It'd be helpful if his quarterback could, you know, consistently hit him. But he looked he looked good. He looks the part of a weapon on offense. Oh, yeah. No, I was... Uh... Again, you got the opportunity to be down there at camp and see him a lot and kind of get that feel for him already. For me, for us, it was our first time really watching him in anything close to resembling real action. And, man, like super, super impressive. And, of course, a uh, an auspicious start when the uh, – or inauspicious, whichever one it is. I think inauspicious. It always confuses me. Uh, when he uh, fumbles the opening punt. Yes. Um, but yeah, he looked he looked special. Like he has the chance to to actually be something. Um, you want to talk want, about the defense? Yeah, look, I don't. I agree with you in the general thing you said originally. Like, I don't have too much to say in the sense that I don't blame the defense for too much. Like, yeah, there were some lapses, but they were on the field a lot, back to back spots. Like, you know, quickly after others and short fields. Like, I thought the D for the most part played played well enough to win. You know. Yeah, I mean, defense didn't give up a scoring drive over 50 yards. They held Washington to 28% on third down, and they gave up only 3.4 on average yards per play. Like, the defense played well enough to win. This one is 100% on the offense. I thought Darius Slay looked good against McLaurin. Um, it's hard to tell. Uh, you know, obviously, we're used to watching McLaurin run all over this team. So, And uh, also, when, again, worked. to the point I just made, when you're on the field for and you make a stop and then you have to go right back out because yep. of a turnover, like that's tough, man, especially at that position, especially when you're trying to keep up with someone like Terry McLaurin, you know? Yeah. Um, I thought Malik Jackson had a pretty good game, at least early on. Um, he was great you know. early on at yep. it. Really Josh, good. Josh Sweat had a really nice sack. Uh, I thought he had a good game. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Avante had a nice pass breakup. If yeah, I remember the correctly. safeties I thought played pretty well for the most part. You know, I thought, um, you know, again, so, I, I think I think the defense it was uh, 
without all the turnovers, the short fields, they probably they played like a a, a fourteen to seventeen point type of game. It felt like it felt like it felt like they deserved to give up fourteen to seventeen yeah. points, and you should be able to win with that, right? You know, it's Jim yeah, Schwartz. The field, the field position didn't help them. The other play I just remembered, speaking of the struggles on the offense, remember that interception like went through. It was kind of like he got sacked and while he was throwing it and the ball like popped up and got uh, intercepted and got called back for a flag. So it could have yes. been even worse. And I think that was a pretty weak flag, if I remember correctly, wasn't it? Like someone barely jumped off. Like it didn't really impact the play. So it could have been worse. Um, but they, they, the offense continually put the defense in, in a bad spot. And I thought it was interesting, um, on the post-game show, Dave Spadaro called in and was talking, and he blamed the coaching staff pretty heavily uh, in terms of their lack of making adjustments and those things. Did I know we touched on it a little, but if, I guess if you want to kind of distribute the blame pie, huh. you know, what would where would well, you put it? I, I, look, first of all, I think that's fascinating. We always like to say, yeah, I did too. Pay attention to what Spud says. Yeah. Uh, you know, he said he thought he, Doug, Doug will watch the tape get, and be yeah. very disappointed. Yeah. I think that can give you a window into things a lot of times. And couple that with the uh, McLean hit piece before the season. Ah, yep. You know? So I think that's interesting. That We'll leave it at that for now. Um, if I were doling out like blame uh, for the loss, I would probably give the most blame – to the offensive line, the second most blame to Wentz and the third most blame to Doug. But I think Doug and Carson are pretty close, to, you know, are, are tied together. I think they didn't help each other out. Uh, but that would probably be my top three in terms of a, a blame pie, uh, you know, based on, of course, who's most important and all that type of stuff. I think I would go like 50% offensive line, 35% Carson, 15% Doug. Yeah, and, I would have Doug a little. I would probably be like, if I were doing it that way, I'd probably go 50 O line, like um, uh, 28 Carson, 22 Doug, or something like that, or 20, 27 right. Carson, 23 Doug, something like that. I like the specific, like the very specific oh, this numbers. Is but there's important stuff, Elliot. <laughs> you know, you know I what have hurts. To take this seriously. What hurts Carson, though, is that. Because it's either Doug or Carson. Like, they're 14 and 14 over the last 28 games. Like, something's not working with that duo. Like, they've had good games, all that. But, like, 14 and 14 over 28 games really speaks to what you are. What hurts Carson is that we've seen Doug really succeed at a high level with Foles. Now, it's a much smaller sample size, and I'm not saying Foles is better than Carson or whatever. But I think that it's just it's part of when when you look at the narrative of, like, well, whose fault is it? Well, I think that's why we have so much confidence in Doug because – We've seen him win these big games, and we've seen you know him accomplish great things. Like everything that Carson has accomplished has been with Doug as well. So I think that you know as as the week goes on and potentially as the season goes on, and the discussion becomes, is it Doug? Is it Carson? Is it Howie? I think that's an important kind of distinction when discussing the two. Yeah. Um, did you have any other individual player type stuff you want to get into before the macro kind of look at the team? Because I'm yeah. I'm good on terms of. Um, I think I've hit on every player I wanted to talk about. No, I guess the last question I would have for my notes is, what did you think of the fourth down uh, conversion? I can't remember. I don't think we talked about that. The the two fourth down conversions or attempts. The one attempts. The one was the Ertz drop, right? And the other. Yeah, was the I think you have to go for that, right? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I I was fine with both. Like, I was still. Yeah, uh, I know the the one ended up obviously kind of you know just ending the game at that point, but. I was fine. I mean, you had nothing going on offense. I, I felt like if you gave him the ball back, you uh, you know, the defense well, was defense was so worn out by then, you know. So I was fine with it. Yeah. Um, all right, Ertz has to make the catch. Go ahead. Yeah. Yes, uh, Ertz has to make again. That's what was so surprising. Like that's where I I, you know, I couldn't see the body language stuff, um, but um, that. That is the type of catch he usually makes. Oh, quickly, real quickly, before we do a macro look and, and kind of look ahead to, to the week coming up. Um, what was it like to be in an empty yeah. stadium watching a football game? What was that like? It was super weird. Like, tra training camp felt pretty normal. The scrimmage at the link felt pretty normal. This felt really weird. Yeah, Just everything I can imagine. It, like, Driving, first of all, there was no traffic whatsoever driving from Philly to FedEx Field. Like, that was nice, but also weird. Um, when you go, like, we parked right by the entrance. There were no fans in the parking lot, obviously, because they were not allowed in the game. There was no tailgating. 
no Eagles fans. Like that's none of that weird. Stuff. I didn't think about like I thought about how weird it would be in the same, but the idea of driving up to an empty lot, like where everyone's yeah. family, like that's super weird, man. It was very weird. Um, they had all the roads closed off by the stadium, so no one could get in there. Like it was, it was very weird. And then you get in. I mean, they take your temperature. Like I'm kind of used to it at that. At, I'm kind of used right, to it, right? Right. Which yeah. is pretty sad. But like, so you know, that you go through all that stuff, but then it's just like. I don't know the feeling of being in the press box with everyone wearing a mask and like there's all these signs about you know obviously social distancing and all that like it's you can really feel the pandemic I would say like being in the yeah, press box that's not surprising I believe that and but... then and then watching the game also I it felt it definitely felt weird like yeah. I thought big moments didn't feel as big um I thought just the way the players kind of interacted I thought the Eagles body language looked pretty defeated but I'm wondering if maybe now that's because it was just like dead silent in there like I think music I didn't hear any crowd noise I don't know if they played it on TV they didn't they didn't and it worked pretty well on TV actually at certain points you kind of forget when you couldn't see the crowd it was pretty good yeah, um, there were a couple points where I was like wait that's a weird response for this and I was like oh yeah um, so <laughs> there's no yeah yeah so it was just a very weird it was definitely very weird uh, it was my first time since football started i was like all right this feels very different i can imagine and it is uh the rams at home this week correct yes okay yeah so it'll be my first time in the link press box that'll be weird too all right um macro um where are we at with this team like look they lost to Washington the opener, which sucks and is a bummer. But is it is it, you know, Panic City, uh, Lane Johnson, you know, coming back, Miles Sanders coming back, or or um, where are you at with this team right now? Well, I was at eight and eight heading into the game. Yeah. So I think that's important, you know, to know that that's where I'm starting. Um, I still think they're an eight and eight team. Like they'll probably end up winning one game. We don't think, but they don't look good. They don't. Um, <laughs> Putting it bluntly. No, I mean, what? Yeah, like, what would you take from today that would make you think, you know what, man? When Miles comes back, they'll be okay. Like, no, I don't. I again, like, you than- hope that like Lane coming back like actually is the the elixir for that line, and that the line getting a chance to play together a little bit, and Pierce back left tackle, and all that, like that they kind of can get it together. That's the hope. I'm not saying that's a likely outcome or anything like right. that, but I would say that's. That's what you would hope for, right? Yeah, and I mean, so when they were up 17 to nothing, like one thing I'm very sensitive about is when, or at least very aware of, is when I make like a prediction against the Eagles or if I'm viewed as being like negative on the Eagles. And then when they're good, I'm like, oh man, I'm going to look, this is going to look bad. So when they're up 17 nothing, that's what I'm thinking. But overall, like I think, that I really think I have a good read on this team and I just don't think they're that good. I, I think they're... Seven and nine, eight and eight, maybe if things break their way, nine and seven if they're lucky. But I think they're closer to like they're definitely closer to six wins than they are ten wins. I wish I wish I could say I disagree with you. Look, that was again, like we joked about it before, but in all seriousness, we went into this season with the last like three, four days before the season with like seven different oh shit type of moments off the field and and that was in addition to hearing all the the issues with the offensive line and training camp and how much of a problem that could be and then finding out jack driscoll starting and um Mm -hmm. you know all this type of stuff and then to go in and lose the game the way they lost it it's just like yeah look i'm not gonna say the season's over after one game. I'm just not. But at the same time, like I, I certainly am not going to come out of this game and, and try and look for, for, you know, reasons to be optimistic about their long-term potential because it's hard to, it's hard to, after that, it's hard to, to look at that laws and say, Oh, they'll be fine. Especially knowing their schedule, especially knowing that's the type of game they need to win. If they're going to win as many games as we want them to, to, to be a, you know, playoff mm-hmm. team contender and all that. So, yeah, I'm 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 not I'm not ready to say they're they're a seven and nine team, but like this is a bad start, man, and it seems like there's not a lot of harmony in that building. And um I it just it, the one thing I'll say is it's hard to reconcile the the hard the the hot start and the then the crappy, crappy finish. You know, it's like 
like if they were so you know if there was so so much lack of harmony and all that it, you know you would think maybe they just were uneven the whole time but they came out crushing it they looked awesome and then it yeah. just all fell apart so it's that's weird to me like how that happened um and again i think the offensive line again is a, a big role in a lot of it but um yeah man here's a, I, look I, it's a bummer i'm bummed here's a like a, a take for all the real ones that are still listening. Like, cause only, only the real ones are still listening. If you're still listening at this point, yeah, we love we've, you. We've gone we too long you. for a, a uh, post gut punch loss podcast. We've already gone right. too long. So thank all you the people that are just, are. all the people that are going to be mean have already left. So here, here would, here would be my big picture take from this game. This season is not really going to be about winning a Super Bowl. Like maybe yeah, they'll get well, the playoff. I said that going won't. in. I said that going in. Right. Remember? Yeah. What what this season is about is figuring out who the problem is. Howie Duggar Carson. One of them's Ooh. a problem. This season is about figuring out who it is. Like, is it Howie? Is it Doug? Is it Carson? Because, again, I'll say it. I'll say it for the third or fourth time. Fourteen and fourteen over twenty-eight games is not a small sample size. That is the proof that that trio is pretty average overall. And the Eagles are not a team that deals with average. So they got to figure out, is it Howie? Is it like the players that Howie's bringing in? Is it Doug coaching them in a bad way? Or is the core of their team, Carson, not, not, not the answer, but it, not all of them are the answer. So this season has to end with, has to end with a very clear distinction and a very clear view of who the problem is. All right, we'll be back later in the week. We're <laughs> going to do our picks. Uh, still, send us in. We could still have a little fun with our picks. So send us in what we should. I don't think it was a good that. day, by the way. No. I haven't talked through it, but yeah, it, I, like it went well. Yeah, rate and review the pod. Give us a smile. We could use it. Um, e, you got any final thoughts? The Rams uniforms are sick. Like everyone hating on the uniforms are wrong. I'm watching this this uh, Cowboys Rams game. Rams look good, by the way. We'll preview them for next week. But um, the Rams uniforms are sick. All right, that, it's a good lead in. End it with that. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I was gonna say to to my point is is Dallas sucks and then they're there you playing go. each other, so that works. Good right out. All right. Pot you. That brings you, a smile on. Thank you. Thank you. Because Dallas sucks. All right. Uh, we'll be back later in the week. Uh, thank you for listening to another edition of Go Birds Podcast presented by Parks, Sportsbook, and Casino. For Elliot, I'm James. We'll talk to you guys later.